Welcome to the Discovering Our Scars podcast, where we share personal experiences so we can learn from each other. I'm Steph. And I'm Beth. I've been in recovery for 15 years and am the author of Discovering My Scars, my memoir about how what's done in the darkness eventually comes to light. I'm a lawyer turned pastor who's all about self-awareness and emotional health because I know what it's like to have neither of those things. Beth and I have been friends for years, have gone through a recovery program together, and when I wanted to start a podcast, she was the only name that came to mind as co-host. I didn't hesitate to say yes because I've learned a lot from sharing personal experiences with Steph over the years. We value honest conversations and we hope you do too. On today's show, we're going to have an honest conversation titled, Pastors Have Doubts? Then we'll share a slice of life and the show will close with questions for reflection, where we'll invite you to reflect on the conversation in your own life. So what are we talking about today, Beth? We're talking about... So actually, this was, I will say, this is a title that kind of came to me, although I am not a pastor, and I had no idea if this was an accurate thing. But you, Pastor Beth, are a pastor. And so this is kind of something that I have wanted to ask you. And we are actually currently in December, um, which is a pretty big time for, I would think, the church it in is. general, because, yep. you know, it's Christmas. So yep. When you actually look past the Santa Claus, there's Jesus right there that, um, (laughs) and you're right there ready to talk about him. So I just thought this was interesting. Like, is this true? I guess this is the first question. Do pastors have doubts? I can't speak for every pastor, but I can say that I have doubts. What do you doubt? Santa? (laughs) Jolly old Saint Nick. Um, I, I mean, I think that doubt is a healthy part of faith, so it doesn't, it doesn't scare me to have doubts. It doesn't worry me. It doesn't make me feel like I'm less than. I just, I don't think that there's a need for certainty. My opinion or like my viewpoint in my head, like if I was, uh, my st- the stereotype I would think mm. of a pastor, like I'm growing up as a child looking up at the pastor at the pulpit and being like, he knows everything. He knows this God mm. and this Jesus and he like, he's all no like he know, i mean i didn't look at him as god but yeah, i was yeah. like oh he's so sure of himself yeah is that not true or when you're like talking about god are you not sure that there's a god or is that i am i'm confident that there is a god i don't think i'm the kind of pastor that people look at me in the pulpit and think that i know everything <laughs> um i i, I think I they do i don't think i'm I that think. kind of pastor um I don't know exactly what happened when Jesus was born, right? On um, December 25th. I, I'm confident that it was probably not on December 25th, but that's okay because we need to celebrate it sometime and that's a good time to celebrate it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we know that he died around Passover and there has always been a, I don't know if you call it a legend, I don't know, this idea that he died around actually he that he died at the same time of year that he was conceived so mm. if he died at passover then he um was conceived at passover and he was born at christmas that's people trying to make sense of things right and and that's okay and we've we've celebrated it this way in the church for a long time and so I honor that part of it too. You know, this is part of our church history. It doesn't really matter to me what day Jesus was born. It matters to me that Jesus was born. The day that it happened doesn't matter so much. And December 25th is, had already been 
a pagan holiday connected with the winter solstice. And so it was a time people were already celebrating. And so it made sense to say, well, what we really need to be celebrating here is the birth of the savior of the world. And so, well, but in that respect, does that mean the Christians just stomped over the pagans and said, uh, we're going to take over this holiday and it's now going to be ours. Like cultural appropriation. I mean, it seems like you're like, well, we don't like you pagans over here. We're going to take this and make it, make it ours and not allow the pagans to have it anymore. Oh, I mean, I think that the pagans probably still had it. I don't, I mean, you can't stop the winter solstice. Yeah. Right. So I think they just added their own layer of celebration to it. And then as the church grew, it became bigger and bigger. Things were changing. So like when you, when you go to Rome and you, and you go down into the area, excuse me, the area of the city, that's the ruins, you see there are pagan temples that become Christian places of worship. Just like, um, did the pagans become Christians? Many of them did. Yeah. And, you know, in, in the fourth century, all of Rome became under Constantine became like more like a Christian nation because Constantine and his mother were Christians. And so, but it was, but those changes happened in the temples almost like, I'm trying to think of an example here in town, but like what used to be an Albertsons is now a Publix. You know, those things just happen. They just, it's just part of change and growth that happens in a community. Publix didn't culturally appropriate Albertsons. Mm, no, not culturally appropriate, yeah. but you could say that they took them out. They took over and the yeah. little guy couldn't survive anymore. So if we don't actually know when Jesus was born, so, and I, I get that we're just like picked a day and okay, we're going to celebrate. This is the day. Um, even though this is not the actual day, I just, how do we not know when he was born? Like, how is there this whole religion based on these facts? And yet they're not mm. facts. Like we have, there's so many holes. How can you not have, like for me, when I hear stuff like that, and when I really like look at the Bible, it just puts more holes into my brain and makes mm. me doubt even more things. So I actually don't love reading the Bible. I know you love the Bible. I, love the yeah, Bible. I know you do. And, and I have read the full Bible because I've taken your Bible 100 class. So <laughs> I think I have read the whole Bible. Um, but uh, it, the Bible, I feel, is very sketchy. Hmm. That's how I look at it. And I, I feel that there's like a, co- a lot of contradictions. Mm-hmm. And that helped, that puts so many doubts in my brain about like, why do I believe this? This mm. seems ridiculous. Mm. And this doesn't make sense. And this is really off-putting. And why, what? Right. Well, I think that um, often churches do a disservice when they teach people to think the Bible is something that it isn't. So it might be helpful to think of the Bible. Um, I, I heard someone talking about this recently. I thought this is a really good analogy that the Bible is a library, not just a book. And so if you walked into a library and you said, well, something in that book contradicts something in that book, mm. you know, this library is no good. You wouldn't say that. You would go, okay, well, these, these are in conversation with each other. What can I learn from that conversation? Because you call them the books of the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. So if you look at each of them as like a separate book. Right. Yeah. 66 different books. It's okay that there are contradictions. I mean, we have four different gospel accounts, you know, of the, of the life and ministry, death and resurrection of Jesus. 
and they don't always agree with each other on some of the details. And that's okay. You know, there was a time, you know this from Bible 100, but there was a time when um, a man named Tatian created something called the Diatessaron, where he synthesized all the four gospels down into one because he didn't like that they didn't always agree. And that started to take off. And then the, and then churches said, no, no, no. We want the conversation of the four gospels together. So in the gospel of Mark, which is the second book of the New Testament, the ministry of Jesus starts at his baptism. Jesus, and God says, this is my son, you know, with whom I am well pleased. And that's where it starts. And then Matthew says, well, actually, it started at the birth of Jesus. So let me tell you about the birth of Jesus and, and give you some genealogy about what happened before him. And then Luke says, yeah, it started at the birth. And let me tell you about these shepherds and angels. And then the Gospel of John says, actually, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Like, you know, they have these different approaches to even understanding the beginning of Jesus's existence or ministry or life. What do you 100% believe? I have uh, no doubt that God loves humanity and that God loves me. Then why are there why are there yeah. earthquakes? Why are there um, tsunamis? Why are there things that destroy the earth? And why are there bad people that destroy other people? Yeah, suffering is a huge challenge to understand. And the only way that I've been able to sort of reconcile it for myself is just to know that in any suffering that I have experienced and in a lot of the suffering that I've witnessed, we are able to experience God through that. And I don't think that God causes suffering to draw us closer to God. I think it's that the suffering happens and God is with us. And I think that this, I think that suffering happens as a result of things like free will, right? That we aren't automatons that are programmed to be in relationship with God. And so we don't always make the right choices for ourselves or our community so then there are natural consequences from that. Well, do you ever doubt God? Like, do I ever doubt that God exists? Or doubt that God loves us or that God, you know, has our best interests? Like, are there things that make you doubt those things about God? Because you already said you don't doubt that God exists. Yeah, I don't, I don't doubt that God exists. It's, I'm also, I'm having a hard time separating, like, how I feel right in this moment from how I have felt at other times. Cause I know that there have been times when I've been mm -hmm. like, well, maybe this is too good to be true. Maybe this is a story that I've bought into because I need to believe in something or I need You've to thought that as a pastor. Yeah. I've thought that as a pastor or, mm -hmm. or like, do I need to, do I need to believe that redemption is possible? And so I've bought into this human created idea about how redemption is possible, but I come back to, Anytime I've had that experience, I always want to talk to God about it. Mm. Like, you know, it's, there's this really, there's a song about how there's a God shaped hole inside of all of us, right? By Plum. And I'm like, yeah, I think, I think that's true. I think there's a God shaped hole. What shape does God have? Yeah, no shape. Is it like three heads? <laughs> Not so much. So, so what does a God shaped hole look like? Well, you know, it's more of a metaphor. It's just a metaphor. <laughs> and every metaphor for God is going to break down. <laughs> because God is beyond description. I guess that, that I guess that's why it's like, how could you not doubt when there's so many holes in in the concept of God? Yeah, I feel like there's so many holes because God is beyond our understanding. So we'll never understand. How could we not? 
right. doubt something that we'll never be able to fully understand. I don't think I'll fully ever understand right. God. Maybe that's just me. No, I don't think any of us can. I think God is okay. beyond our understanding, beyond our ability to comprehend. But even I mean, God like is an, eternal. You know, God existed before anything existed. How can that be? God will exist when nothing else exists. How can that be? Do you think the Pope fully understands God? No, really. And I don't. And I think the current Pope would say he doesn't fully understand God. So what does what do pastors have to fully understand to be a pastor? Or are pastors just like us? Yeah, but standing <laughs> up on a pulpit. Yeah, no, that's it. <laughs> it's like when I when I'm standing before a congregation, I'm just sharing with them what what I've like learned that week or what I'm what I'm in the process of learning. It's not. It's not, well, I have this all figured out. And so now I'm here to. Well, last week, last episode, you mentioned that you were upset that you cried um, in front of your congregation during um, kind of a heavy moment. And you said you were upset because that moment's not about you. Right. So what does that mean as a pastor that when you're a pastor, it's not about you? Or like, what is that? Yeah. Well, when I'm in the pulpit, so when I'm preaching, um, I'm not, that moment is supposed to be about God communicating with, with me and with the congregation. It's not supposed to be about me. So, the, so the, the contrast would be when I, when I was presenting to a judge or a jury, it was kind of about me. I mean, it was about the case, but it was about how I was going to present the case. And it's different in the pulpit. That's um, the preaching moment and the preaching space is, is meant, I'm like, a, I'm meant to be like a pipe where God is using me. So you, so the Bible was God's word interpreted by a human, right? Yes. So that's kind of what's happening when you are doing a sermon is God yes. is giving you a message and you're interpreting it and you're spewing it out to other people. Yes. I mean, spewing is kind of an I'm sorry. Well, I don't know what the word would be. You're um, <laughs> sharing? sharing it with other people. <laughs> well, that's what I'm imagining. Like God is the water coming through right, a hose through and the then pipe, you yeah. are the pipe and it spews. Yeah, it spews. <laughs> Everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> And the Jesus well, is getting on good, everybody in today. a good way because it's like spews everywhere. The message getting out everywhere, you know. Yeah, luckily everybody's wearing masks. Yes. So. Yeah. So not too much. The, As the droplets go. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Bad analogy during this time, but um, so pastors when they're doing their job, it's not about them. They are just kind of interpreting God's message and trying to share it to the masses. Yeah, and as I'm preparing a sermon throughout the week that's a very prayerful process. And it's a lot of, it's a lot of me saying, God, let me get out of the way. You know, like, let me, let me, I don't want this to be about me. It's, it's one of the reasons I wear a robe on Sunday mornings. You know, first of all, it makes dressing yourself a lot easier, but also because it's not about me or what I'm wearing or how I look. It's, you know, I'm there as a servant. That's so a, when you are preparing a sermon and God is giving this message, do you doubt the message that you're hearing? Are there pieces that you doubt that yeah, you're like trying that's to a interpret? Good question. That's a good question. So the way that I have resolved that for myself is because there was a lot of that in the beginning. And part of that is the idea of like imposter syndrome, you know, like why yeah. would anybody listen to me? But, um, but then after you do it some, you kind of see that somehow in a way that you can't really explain somehow the Holy spirit is 
working through that moment. And so every pastor has had this where after church, people will come up and say, I really feel like you were talking to me and they'll say what they heard. And you know, for a fact, you did not say that. Yeah. You know, (laughs) so something is happening in that moment. God is using that moment. Um, And, and there's, and I know that I'm not anywhere close to perfect and that I don't have to be perfect in order for God to use me, which also gives me freedom when it comes to the Bible and to the biblical writers. It's like, Oh no, God can use imperfection and brokenness and, you know, and do amazing things with it. So when God's giving you this message, you know, bringing it down the hose and you're writing it down mm. in the old timey book. This is how I'm envisioning in it. In my it's fountain really pen. Great. Yes, yes, it's my vision. I love it. Right. I don't use a laptop or anything like that. Well, why, well God doesn't approve of technology. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Wow. <laughs> Unless it's Apple technology. Then oh. I'll be like, sure. He's like, get your iPad out, write with your Apple pencil. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can change the video in my head. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Apple pencil. Um, and you're writing the message that God's telling you to share with the masses are you like he's like um the sky is red you're like sky is red like do you like read that and be like that i don't think that's right do you Mm. still preach something that you're like that doesn't feel right to me because it's not about you it's about the message that you got from god no because if it doesn't feel right to me then i know that it's me and not god does that sound like a justification? It sounds like a justification, but it's the reality of it. If I hear something from God that I don't like, then I know, oh, that's me. That's trash. I'll take that out. Is that I mean, that's what I heard? I mean, I don't because you don't only really can know. hear good things from God, things that you agree with. No, I think that when I when it comes from God, I have a peace about it, mm-hmm. and if the, and if there's something in me that's like unsettled, then that well, that needs more that needs more time. That won't go. That doesn't go in that sermon. The reason I ask is because you said sometimes God is giving you a message for somebody that, you know, something that someone mm-hmm. needs to hear. And maybe it's something you didn't actually even say. They just kind of heard it. Right. Um, but that's why I was wondering, like, if you heard something and you're like, well, that doesn't really seem to fit, but I'm going to talk about it anyways, because God told me to talk about it. Like, are those mm-hmm. kind of things that happen? Or would you be like, oh, no, that's me saying it. So I'm going to take it out. Yeah, no, that has happened before where I've been like, I don't I don't know why I'm supposed to say okay. this, but I feel like I'm supposed okay. to say it. Yeah, so it's that more has like happened. a feeling and you kind of know yeah. when it's you versus God. Yeah, and you learn to to trust. And, yeah. you know, it is it is something you can practice, you know, discerning God's voice as opposed to your own. It's something you can practice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I have doubted whether whether or why God would want me to be a pastor. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but it's kind of inconvenient. <laughs> what do right? you mean? I, don't I mean, know. I mean, Stephen and I had our lives kind of oh. planned out pretty well. Yeah. And um, I had a pretty easy path laid out. And then now I'm working full time and it's, and sometimes it's inconvenient, right? Cause I would rather just do my own thing. Except I don't want to do my own thing because I love this thing. You know, I love this calling. I love being with this church. I love being with these people. So do you still doubt whether you should be a pastor or not? I am not doubting that right now, but I did have uh, at the beginning of 2021, I did go round and round and round about it for about three months and really wondered, like, am I am I called? And then decided yeah, I'm called, but I also have free will. I don't have to answer this calling and God and I will still be okay. 
Is God okay with that? Did you talk to them? So, talk, yeah. talk to they about it? Yes, I talked to them about it. And um, and so then had to wrestle with, okay, well, I have this choice. What do I do? And um, kind of verbal, this is gross, but kind of verbally vomited all over some people until I got out the icky stuff I needed to get out. And then I was like, oh, okay, now I think I can do this. <laughs> so... So do you, after having that kind of reckoning, Mm. do you still have doubts? Do you think you'll always have seasons of doubt? Yeah, I do. I do. I think that that's part of of my faith journey, at least. And from talking to people, I think that it's a a pretty normal part of a faith journey. And that's why when, when pastors do come in really hot and heavy with certainty or with biblical fundamentalism or something called biblical inerrancy where, you know, the Bible is without error. Uh, the Bible as we have it today is without error. Um, I think it really can cost people something because it uh, that kind of, I don't know, that kind of idolatry is, is not healthy. I mean, faith is faith and doubt are not opposites. They're companions. They're partners. Well, like, do you always have both? I think I think so because if you don't have doubts, what do you need faith for? Mm. Right? If if you know everything a hundred percent, you don't have faith in anything. You have knowledge. So I think faith mm. and doubt are companions. So do you doubt anything that's not faith related? If we know you doubt faith, right? No, I mean I doubt a lot of things. <laughs> I doubt a lot of things. I think you do too. I have no doubts. This world is great. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't doubt our government in any way, shape or form. I love the government. All of our human institutions, right? Our legal system, our police force, they are all top notch. Right. Right. To clarify that sarcasm. (laughs) Um, I have a lot of doubts. Yeah. I doubt a lot of things. I mean, I doubt my faith for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But even like, even all of the, the Bible, all of those things, like the, there's, I have so much doubt in that, but it doesn't, even that doubt doesn't make me lose my faith. Right. And I think that goes for me, that shows me that, um, I have a strong faith. Like that's something right. that, um, I don't think is going to break down. I mm-hmm. mean, but if I did go through a season where I was like, there's no God, like, you know, we've talked about mm-hmm. that, like God's big enough to know to be okay with that yeah. and to help me help me with that. And through that, um, I doubt all of the excess stuff. Mm. I doubt the church. You yeah, know that. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think any human institution is worthy of doubt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I doubt our government, uh, definitely our current Florida stuff. Right. Right. <laughs> it's not great here. I, I now doubt what I have learned as history. And I now oh, doubt yeah. the, mm-hmm. you know, the accuracy of it or the veracity of it. Um, yeah. Which can be scary. Like doubt can be scary because then it's like your whole, um, I think a lot of us, our whole life has been created. Like there's things we choose in life because of things we learned mm-hmm. and know about, you know, the world. Um, and I think that can be scary when, you realize that those things are wrong and there are people that can accept that. I feel that I have kind of continued to keep myself open to, you know, I believe this, but 
it might not be true. And if I learn new information, then my my thoughts and actions can change. Yeah. And they have, you know, there's been many things where I'm like, oh, okay, I was racist. I did not know that. I'm going to be actively right. working towards not being racist. Right. Make a choice to be anti-racist. Yeah. 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 And the alternative is to is to decide that you're that we're never gonna learn and we're never gonna grow. And that just feels incredibly unhealthy. Yeah. And I think that's true in faith too, you know, to, to be open hearted about things. And I have, I've said it before, but you know, I know I'm getting something wrong. <laughs> I just don't know which things I'm getting wrong. And so I'm always going to err on the side of, I'm always going to err on the side of trying to be Jesus like when I can, right? Like, so I'm going to err on the side of being inclusive and caring about people. And um, I think about the, I, th- I think about, the Beatitudes. And I think about Jesus saying things like, you know, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, but I'm going to tell you, love your enemy. Like that's, that's hard stuff. Do you doubt the church? Yeah, for sure. I, I, I love my denomination and I doubt, I doubt it all the time. And I wrestle with it all the time. I, I think I care about it enough to want it to be better. Do you think it makes you a stronger person and pastor to doubt them? I don't know about that. I think that because I'm, you know, we, we talk always talk about self-awareness and how important self-awareness is. I do think that having self-awareness about where I stand with things and where I am with my doubts makes it easier for me to hear people when they have their own, when they have their own troubles with, with God or with the church or, you know, with a neighbor, whatever it might be. People complain to me about the denomination and I just say, you know, I really hope that you can find a denomination that is perfect. And when you find it, let me know, right? Or complain about the church. Okay, this this church is not perfect. I hear what you're saying. You know, we can work to be better because I know we're not perfect. And it only hurts my feelings a little bit when people leave my denomination for another denomination. Only It only hurts just a little bit, but it does hurt. So does it hurt that I don't go to church because I haven't left to go to another one? I've just left. Um, it, no, that doesn't hurt. But also I think it doesn't hurt because you and I have talked about it. And so I know where you're coming from on it. Yeah. Um, as opposed to somebody who just kind of stops coming and then, you know, posts on Facebook yeah. that they're somewhere else. And oh, yeah. Yeah. they've gotten rebaptized. Oh, just no. Just a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Do you think outside influences like other people or, um, you know, things around us can cause doubt? Like me not going to church, does that lead to doubt in your mind that there's a God? It doesn't, but oh. I will say that um, that understanding why you don't go to church has been an opportunity for me to reflect on why I do go and also <laughs> why the church, how the church could be better. But it doesn't make me, it didn't make me doubt the church more, you know, Um that's, well, that's good more because you already doubted yeah, it. So yeah, you're yeah. like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. I, I mean, I do think there have been times when when I have been faced with questions or when I've watched other people wrestling with questions and, and it's kind of made me go, huh, that's a good point. You know, mm. let, me, oh, let me think about that. But again, because I, th- I think that because I see faith and doubt as companions, it, that hasn't cost me anything in my faith i think hearing other people's like for example um 
I know a few people recently that have told me that they've left the church completely. They, they left the church, but they've lost their faith. Like those are yeah. two separate things to me. Yeah. Um, like I still feel like I'm a very strong Christ follower. I have a great relationship with they and <laughs> God <laughs> and them. Yeah. The mysterious three in one. But um, when I hear people talk about actually losing their faith, yeah, um, you know, it's definitely um, it's upsetting to hear mm-hmm. um, for me. But it doesn't; it never sh- shakes my faith, which is kind right. of interesting. Which makes me think that when people people's choices when they don't have an effect on mine, it means I have really um, embraced something and have like fully come to terms with it myself. But if someone's, if someone says something like you're in college, my mm. uh, professor convinced us all to be vegetarians. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, well, this is great. I had never really contemplated about eating meat versus not eating meat. Yeah. And then he gave me all these great reasons that I should. And so I was like, okay. And so I, I let him shoot on me and I became a vegetarian <laughs> and then finally was like, why? And just realized that was silly and I eat meat now, but, um, but that was able to put doubt in my mind that there, it was wrong mm-hmm. to eat meat. And then I stopped eating it because this person's influence, but it's because I had never fully kind of digested it myself. Um, whether this is something I wanted or not. So I could see where someone's influence could mm-hmm. influence sure. you, you know, one way or the other, if you had not fully been able to embrace that, which is I, which is why I think, um, young people, you know, uh, people in their twenties, I remember being in my twenties and knowing people that, that age, just, you're so influenced by outside yes. because you haven't had enough life experience to really have these decisions yeah. yourself. Like, do I believe in this? Do I want to follow this? Um, yeah. and so I think that's why a lot of, um, and I think that's why we're seeing a lot of, um, young people not getting vaccinated because they haven't fully been able to mm -hmm. make up their own brain about these things. And they hear too many outside influences. Yeah. And we have so many influences now and they all seem to have equal weight that it's hard to, it's hard to, okay, well, this random person on TikTok has exactly the same weight as the director of the CDC. Yeah. How did that happen? Right. I mean, it's because we want to think we're smart and we want to think that we kind of know everything. And especially when we're in our, 20s yeah um so yeah it's so i would definitely think that people can influence you doubting something and you and can create doubt can create doubt exactly and can create you you know choosing a whole different lifestyle or you Mm -hmm. know choices yeah and and i think i think again it goes back to in some ways kind of what our foundation is like like you're saying you you know you have a strong faith because other people losing their faith doesn't cost you yours yeah. or people having questions doesn't, doesn't cost you yours. I think that, you know, if, if your foundation of faith is, is not healthy, then, yeah, then you might be surprised at how, how easily shaken it is. Or if it's not your faith, if it was something yeah. that you was, you know, put upon you by your parents, like we go to church every Sunday. That's what we do. Right. Right. Well, or what if you're taught that, um, what if you're taught that God has a specially blessed America and that that's why we have the prosperity we have. And then September 11th happens. Yeah. Well, no, what we're, we're, we're God's chosen. Why, why yeah. did that happen? 
right? Well, maybe your initial premise wasn't good. Yeah. Maybe God loves people in all sorts of countries, all sorts of climates. And maybe our prosperity is really separating us from God instead of drawing us closer to God. There is a great book if anybody wants to read um, read more about this idea. Uh, I would recommend to them Sin of Certainty by Pete Enns, Dr. Pete Enns. Um, he had a great, uh, it's a great book, and he talks about his own deconstruction and how it happens very randomly, like after a conversation with someone on an airplane, kind of like what we're saying, you know, how someone else's experience can create doubt for you. Uh, and then how it, after, I mean, he had a, a PhD in Old Testament from Harvard. Like he was well acquainted with his faith and with the Bible and and how things kind of unraveled, but then he reconstructed. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. We have a ton of fun making this podcast and we love knowing that you have fun listening. Some of you have asked how you can support us in this work. Well, actually, there is something you can do. We're now on buymeacoffee.com. You can go there and become a monthly supporter or just buy us a one-time cup of coffee or tea for Steph. Yep. (laughs) To show our thanks for your support, we put PDFs of our questions for reflection as well as pictures, outtakes, polls, and more. Your support helps cover production costs like professional transcripts we have made for every episode. And by the way, those are always available on our website with a link in each of the descriptions of the episodes. One of the great things about Buy Me A Coffee is that you actually get an email when we post new content. You can go straight there and you don't have to deal with ads or being bombarded with other content. You see exactly the content you're looking for without a bunch of distractions. We post once or twice for each episode and we're excited to get your feedback as members of our Buy Me A Coffee page. There's a support link in the description where you can find out more and to sign up. Thanks for joining us today. We want to remind you that we are on all podcast platforms. Um, And if you are on one of those platforms like Apple Podcasts, you can go down to the bottom and you can rate us. And we would love a five-star rating. That helps more people find our podcast. Um, But we are also on Spotify. We're on Apple, Amazon Music. Yeah, Google Podcasts. Google Podcasts. um, All the things. All the things. Every podcast platform, we are there. If we're not on a podcast platform, let me know and I will put us on there. But I'm pretty sure we're on all of them. It's so exciting to know that we're everywhere. We're everywhere. Whoa. And on Facebook. We're and on, on your, yeah. And, and on Spotify. Did you say Spotify? I said Spotify. Oh, said Spotify. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we want to remind you that we have over 100. We have 100. This is 108. Yeah. Uh, we have 108 episodes. So um, the great thing is you can listen to them at any time, at any place. And they're great for road trips. They're great for when you're doing um, sanding or painting or something. Laundry. Laundry. You're doing laundry. For, great for great for things. And um, they're a free gift for um, if you need to give someone a holiday gift, this would be a great gift to share our podcast with them. That's right. And be like, this is something I think you would love this year to listen to and every year of your life. And here are 108 gifts. I think it's a great gift. That's really generous to give someone 108 gifts. I know. That's really, that's you like, would hate that's like Santa Claus level generous. You would hate that though. Beth does not <laughs> like gifts. So when you give her something, say it's not a gift. <laughs> this is a necessary item for her life. I do like Christmas gifts. That's, Re- what? What? Yeah. That's this like is new information. Yeah. That's new information. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, how is that different than a regular gift? Okay. So the problem with gifts is that I, I do not know how to 
appropriately express appreciation. But you and do for so, Christmas gifts? And so for Christmas gifts, it's like, I don't know. It's it's easier to know what to do. What do you do? Well, I just say thank you, but why don't, can't you do that during the rest of the year? Well, I do, but I just feel extra pressure when it's not Christmas. Why? Well, I think maybe because at Christmas it's more like I have a mutual exchange. Okay. Whereas, you know, to get a random present during the year when I don't have a way to reciprocate, I just feel uneasy about it. I'm very okay. complicated and these are my feelings. That and is I can't. so funny because I don't like getting Christmas gifts. I prefer getting random gifts mm. during the year. Like if someone saw something was like, this reminded me of you, that would make us, I would like that more than like a, cause I feel like holidays are like obligation gifts. Like you have yeah. to get a gift and I don't like doing, I don't like having, having to give someone a gift or having to get a gift. But I like if somebody sees something and it makes them think of me or something like that is a special gift. Yeah. So we are completely opposite on that. So different. Completely. (laughs) That is good information to know. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. So actually a lot of times at Christmas um, when I have been part of a congregation like I am this year, I'll, I'll tell them, I'll like leave hints about it would be great to have some baked goods, like something that can be consumed instead of like something that I have to. Oh, telling them. Telling them that for you mm-hmm. to give you baked goods. Yeah, like to yeah, they want to. So you get enjoy baked goods. I en- I enjoy baked goods. Do you enjoy when people bake them, or would you enjoy if Gideon's bake them? Either way, either way would be fine. Um, but as long as we're talking about this, let me just say that I prefer baked goods that don't have coconut or nuts. Okay, no yeah. nuts, no nuts at all. I like peanuts, but sparingly. Interesting. You don't like yeah. a crunch. You don't like a good crunch. I, I don't like pecans, which are a challenge at Christmas. Mm-hmm. I don't like walnuts or oh. almonds. So, yeah. But very good for your heart. My heart's doing good. My heart and I. <laughs> I got a Jesus <laughs> hole in it, but I'm fine. <laughs> Metaphorically, not a real hole. <laughs> no walnut hole there. It's good. <laughs> Well, since it is Christmas time and we do like to share like a slice of life, is there a, is there a Christmas tradition that you really love? Is there something you really look forward to? Like something about Christmas day or anything in the Christmas season? Or are you just a total bah humbug? Obviously, I always have to start by saying I hate the concept of Santa. I think that's very clear. I have to make sure that's said because I if I don't you what say you it, love and what you look forward I know, to. But I felt like I had to say that so people <laughs> remember and if you want to remember even more, we'll put a link to last year's episode because I really got there with you. <laughs> um, I like doing um, I like the advent calendar. I got yeah. a dog advent calendar this year for my dogs. And so like every day it's a dog treat. It's a treat or it's a toy. Oh, OK. So sadly, they have not enjoyed the treats so far. Oh. Um, we are in day three and the first two day treats, they did not enjoy them. They did leave them uh, on my carpet. So that was fun to Ugh. clean. Um, but the, um, today's was a toy and Tosh liked it. So that was exciting. All right. Uh, the cool thing about this advent calendar is it's like little drawers so I could reuse it. Mm. Um, so I could like make my own next year with the treats that they actually like, but I got my own advent calendar. I got a Harry Potter Lego advent calendar and that's super exciting. So I enjoy the, um, advent calendar concept of Christmas. I enjoy the feeling of this time of year, um, just like how things are different than the typical time of year. So I do enjoy this season 
and I just avoid the um, the silliness of the the Santa stuff. No, I'm Tonight. actually excited. I don't have to go to church yeah. anymore on Sundays on Christmas Eve. We go um, we go to church and then we go to Waffle House after church on Christmas Eve. On Christmas oh, Eve, fun. Yeah. What do you because, get? Well, I used to always cook a meal on Christmas Eve, and then it was like, well, now yeah. I'm working. So what do we do? So we just. And, go to Waffle House but instead. Don't you also do like a big meal on Christmas? On Christmas Day we do Christmas a big Day? meal. And yeah. you do like Thanksgiving stuff? Yeah, we'll have, I don't yeah. know if we'll, yeah, I guess we will. We'll have turkey and ham and all the things that we had at Thanksgiving. Yeah. Mashed potatoes. Looking forward to the mashed potatoes. Nice. <laughs> at the end of each episode, we end with questions for reflection. These are questions based on today's show that Beth will read and leave a little pause between for you to answer to yourself or you can find a PDF on our buy me a coffee page. Number 1. Do you think it's okay for pastors to have doubts? Number 2. What do you doubt? Number 3. What do you believe in 100%? And number 4. Are there professions that you believe need to be practiced without doubt? Like like a pastor doubting the Bible? been the discovering our scars podcast thank you for joining us